Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. What is up? Welcome in to another episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Matthew Betts and Matt Okada back with you on the mic for another fantastic episode. We are on to week seven and the season is flying by. Okada, I don't even know who you are anymore, man. I haven't (laughs) talked to you in two weeks. I haven't seen you in two weeks. Uh, You've got to fill me in. What's been going on uh, with you? How have you been? Uh, Fill me in. Uh, All kinds of things, both sides of the tracks on the good and bad. But last week I was gone because I took a trip to Boston, Massachusetts, uh, that's Why definitely, did you say that with the southern accent? I don't know. It's Boston, Massachusetts. They taught us how to say Colmav and Massav. There you go. That yeah. sounded a little better. Um, yeah, I went down there and I went to a Patriots game on Thursday Night Football. Uh, and then we toured the city. It was me and my mom. We just took a little trip. Uh, it was very fun. That's why I missed all the recordings for last week, which was unfortunate. But I heard that there were some excellent step-in guests. So no worries there. But I'm yes. glad to be back. Yeah, man. Nate filled in for us at DominateFF on Twitter, a good friend of the show. So it was good to have him on. And then Kent filled in for the Patreon episode uh, where we kind of previewed the week and talked through some of our favorite trade targets for buy lows and sell highs. If you're interested in finding more content from us, be sure to check us out at Patreon, patreon.com slash redshirtspod. You get access to our Slack channel where you can talk with Okada and I every single day. Um, you get to ask us priority mailbag questions, so we will answer yours on the show, guaranteed. And then you get an extra weekly episode, so all for a couple of bucks. Great value there, uh, in my opinion. All right, Okada, we have got a jam-packed show, so let's get over into it. We're going to start, as we usually do, with Betts' big question. And this one I put out on Twitter. I said, okay, everyone, we're officially six weeks into the season. Which player has been the biggest surprise? It can be good or bad so far this season and we got lots of of answers here in the comments i'm going to scroll through and give you the most common ones i think the resounding most common answer was oj howard being a huge Mm. disappointment another one was dante pettis being a disappointment someone mentioned how crazy cmc's workload and his usage has been another uh, good friend of the show john helmkamp mentioned leonard fournette and how his efficiency is way up True. his career numbers and how he's been healthy, which I definitely did not predict. So, Okada, I got to turn it over to you, man. What is your biggest surprise through six weeks of the season? Oh, boy. A lot of those are really good ones. So they stole my ammunition. But I'm going to probably go with the... It's hard for me to pick one. The combo of young receivers, DJ Chark and Terry McLaurin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Now, to be fair... I did say that Terry McLaurin was a great sleeper before the season started. So, however, I did not think he was going to be the wide receiver six or something in that range, depending on your format, uh, through six weeks. It is insane how good he's been. I saw a stat the other day about like his catches, yards, and touchdowns. And the marks that he's hit through his first six games, the only other player to do that in history is Randy Moss, who basically had one of the best early parts of the career in history obviously so yeah he has been really good and on a crap team with all kinds of quarterback messes so there's even the potential that he gets more consistent and better 
if things get uh, better in Washington, which you would think they can only go up. Uh, and then DJ Chark has been, I, he was not even close to being on my radar. So as much as I take credit for McLaurin, I had no interest in Chark, but he has absolutely stepped up as the guy for the Jaguars, making big plays left and right, and is also a top six or so fantasy receiver. Crazy stuff. Yeah, definitely something that I don't think anyone really projected. I remember we talked about the Jaguars receiving core, and we had brought on Heath Cummings from CBS Fantasy and, and his uh, Jaguar receiver that I think he convinced us on was D.D. Westbrook. And yeah, he's had some splashes here or there, but you're right. I mean, Chark has definitely stolen the show down there in Jacksonville, and, and both of those guys have just been so impressive. Um, definitely awesome players to own, especially in Dynasty. I recently pulled off a T.Y. Hilton trade away. I'm a little bit more of a rebuild team. For Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel, which I was really psyched about. So mm. uh, I am hoping that that continues. I think my biggest surprise, I agree with the, the public on this one, man. OJ Howard, like everyone projected him to be a top five tight end. And it's been a couple of things. One is he hasn't looked himself dropping balls left and right. I mean, last week he had like four drop off his forearms uh, against the Panthers in London. But beyond that, I mean, his usage and his targets just are not there. Um, we talked about in the offseason, maybe this is just a situation where Bruce Arians really doesn't use the tight end. And the argument on the counter side was, well, he's never had an O.J. Howard. And apparently, it doesn't matter. Nope. Uh, so unfortunately, that's been a huge, huge disappointment for me this season. I think I had him ranked at four going into the season. What about you? Yeah, he was either, yeah, he was four or five for me because I had Ingram up in the Elite Three. So definitely uh, big time surprises, good and bad so far this season. Like I said, we've got a jam-packed show, so we're going to keep this moving on here. Reminder to everyone, go check out the website, redshirtsfantasyfootball.com. Awesome articles up there from our writing staff who are absolutely crushing it every week. We've got a streaming quarterback uh, article from Steven Pintado. If you're still in need of a QB this week, check it out. Reminder, find us on social media, redshirtsffpod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, find us there. We would love to connect with you all uh, there in the future. Okay, Okada, let's get over into the news. I got great news, guys. Oh, oh news. Hey, news, 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 All right, man, what a trade this was. Ooh. So initially, this starts out with the Rams sending away Marcus Peters to the Ravens. After, after putting a key, yeah, okay, you got yeah, it. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. After putting a keep to leave on IR. Yeah, and in my head, I'm thinking, I mean, their defense isn't that good, and they don't have that good of a secondary. What nope. are they doing? An hour goes by, and what do you know? There's the news. Jalen Ramsey. Mm. See what I did there? Uh, off Very original, to, Bets. I haven't heard that one yet at all. Yeah, first one here, trademark <laughs> it. Uh, off to L.A. there to join the Rams. They gave up, what was it, two firsts and a fourth, I believe, Yep. to get him. So they, they paid the price for sure. Um, let's talk about the fantasy implications as far as defense is concerned. I mean, huge upgrade for LA. Are you now more interested in the Rams as a streaming DST? Um, I mean, yeah, I, I guess a little bit. It's hard to upgrade an entire defense just with one player, but if that it would be possible, it might be bringing in a Jalen Ramsey. Uh, and Marcus Peters has been very beatable for the Rams this year, uh, let, lets up a lot of big plays. So this could improve their pass defense. It's definitely possible. Um, you got to figure the Rams are in a very desperate figure stuff out quick mode because they have lost three straight, I think. 
and that sounds correct. Yeah. yeah, going the wrong direction. They are trying to save their season. Um, so this kind of commitment to doing that actually gives me maybe a little bit more confidence in the team as a whole, including some of the offensive players that have been struggling. Uh, Gurley and Goff, chief among them. I just feel like the mindset of the organization is we're going to fix this right now and we're going to get back on track and be the best team in the NFC. So I'm hoping that this helps with that. For sure. And I think the other thing to consider here too is let's put a little bit of a spin here on Dynasty. Have you seen the salaries that these top tier players are owed on the Rams? Like it is unreal. I don't know where they're getting this money. Nope. Um, They are just printing it off apparently. It's Jared Goff's rookie deal, I guess, but that's over. Yeah, they're playing with Monopoly money at this point, I'm pretty sure. Um, but one thing I would see potentially happening is Brandon Cooks could be on his way out of town in a year or two, uh, depending on what happens there. So just a little bit of a dynasty sort of monitoring situation there, given the fact that they have to pay so many of these players. Next piece of news here, we're going to talk about a couple of quarterbacks who have been named the starter. Let's start with, well, I don't know if this is less exciting. I was going to say the less exciting one, but... <laughs> They're both uninspiring. <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick will start week seven for the Dolphins. Uh, Okada, do we care? Um, A little bit, Bets. I feel like the correct answer is no, but I can't deny that Ryan Fitzpatrick getting in under center makes me a little bit excited. Josh Rosen is quite possibly the worst starting quarterback in the league until now when he's not a starting quarterback anymore. Um, and Fitzpatrick, listen. It took, what was it, one quarter or one half for us to see flashes of Fitzmagic again last week when yeah. he was brought in. Devontae Parker scored a touchdown. I believe that was after Fitzpatrick got in. Uh, they almost won the game, but Kenyon Drake dropped the ball on purpose. To Smart play by that Exactly, guy. to tank the season. Uh, <laughs> this is what he does. He comes in and he creates magic, and for fantasy, I think it's better than having Rose in there. So there's very few weapons in that offense that really get more interesting anyways because the weapons are so bad. But if you are in a deep enough league that you were thinking about starting Devontae Parker or Preston Williams even uh, in a game, this might help a little bit with that decision. Yeah, unfortunately, last week in the fantasy footballers writers league i was forced to play Devonte parker uh bye weeks got <laughs> me i have Devonte adams dealing with injury so uh, that was fun uh, yep. <laughs> he did find the end zone so i agree it. it does elevate those pieces a little bit uh but obviously nothing that we're too too excited about no next quarterback that is going to be starting is the tennessee titans new starting quarterback ryan Tannehill, marcus mariota to the bench wow uh yeah, rough, rough, rough week last week for Mariota. And the thing that I think is really surprising for me when I saw this, Okada, I'm not sure how you feel, but Marcus Mariota hadn't turned the ball over until last week. Yep. So he had been playing okay in, in terms of being more of a game manager uh, at the quarterback position. And I find it surprising that they'll go this quickly away from him. Does this tell you anything about how you view, or I should say how they view uh, Marcus Mariota in the future. Do you think they're looking to see if Tannehill can be their guy moving forward? Yes. I don't think... I think that this move, to, to finally make this move, this is not like a Fitzpatrick versus Rosen thing where you had this guy that you traded for that, that was awful in his rookie season and you didn't draft him and maybe you want to try this other guy to win some games or whatever. This is the guy that they drafted number two overall a few years ago and have been trying for years to make work and to get value out of that pick. 
and to finally say we're benching you for Ryan Tannehill, I feel like that's pretty much the sign of we're we're done. We're done trying. And to your point, Betts, I think that the fact that he was not turning the ball overall and still couldn't win games for this team is kind of the problem. It's like yep. you're you're kind of doing an okay thing, but we need you to be a quarterback in a passing league where you help us win, or if not carry the team to victory. And he was not even close to doing that. So I think this is pretty much a closed door on the chapter of Mariota in Tennessee. And for fantasy, I don't know really what it does yet. It's probably pretty much lateral. Maybe Delaney Walker takes a step back because Mariota's always loved Walker and Tannehill's. I don't really know if he's ever had a great tight end, so that could be a slight effect, but it's honestly hard to tell whether this will change anything. Yeah, I think the the tiniest, most minuscule bump ever goes to Adam Humphreys, just mm. given Tannehill's tendency to really work the ball in that short, sure. intermediate passing game to a slot receiver like he used to do with Jarvis Landry down in Miami. So that's really the only situation there to kind of talk about as far as Tennessee. Last little bit of news here. Uh, Cam Newton is trending in the right direction from his injury, which he suffered in the preseason and then aggravated in week two, that Liz Frank injury in his left foot. They are on by this week, but the Panthers have a tough decision to make. Mm. The likelihood of Cam Newton coming back for next week is pretty high. I think he will, um, but they are not sure if he is the starter or if it's going to be Kyle Allen, who <sighs> has looked decent. Advanced metrics would tell you otherwise, but the team is winning, and that matters. So, Okada, what do you see happening here as far as the quarterback situation in Carolina? Wow. that The way you phrase that is the most difficult question, Beth, because if you would ask me what should happen, it would not be a hesitation for me to say that Cam Newton should sit on the bench and Kyle Allen should remain the starter. There is no way you make that change after Newton had lost, I believe, eight or nine straight games going back to last season and Allen has won five straight going back or six straight going back to last season. It's insane how much better they're playing with Kyle Allen as a team. And I know that North Turner prefers Kyle Allen from inside of the NFL sources. So, Ooh, yeah, so fancy. but, but he's the coach and he might not get to make the choice or he's the coordinator. So he might not get to make the choice. Um, there are people above him who might get to make the call. The owners might get be involved in making this kind of call because if you're going to say we're benching one of... I mean, this guy is a former MVP, has been among the faces of the league at various times. To bench Cam Newton for an upstart guy is a huge deal. So I'm still not convinced he'll do it. I say it's maybe 50-50. It's really hard to, to, to guess which way they'll go. I think they should go Kyle Allen. I'd probably guess if you force me to that they will start Cam again. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I don't think it's close. And that's not to say that I think this is the right move. But, I mean, these front offices are just so, I don't want to say Political? stuck in their ways. But they, like, they'll like they play the guys that they pay, you know. Mm. And with Cam, he's been there for so long, like you said, almost a decade at this point uh, as their quarterback. And he's been effective in the past. And like you said, has a, an MVP under his belt. They're paying him a ton of money. I don't see how they don't go back to Cam Newton, at least initially. But I think he's on a very short leash. Um, the team is 4-2. and two. They're one game back of the Saints in the NFC South. So they're right there in the division hunt. And if they start to lose a game or two, I honestly think it's Kyle Allen time again. But I do think Cam Newton uh, is back under center come week 8. 
If they right, asked you, Betts, really quick, if they asked yeah. you from a medical perspective, do you think that Cam can be 100% right now? I think he can. Yeah, okay. I think he can. You think and he can? I think he can. Cam can. <laughs> uh, I think he can based off the fact that he really did sort of publicly come out and say, I'm not doing this until I'm 100%. And the backing that he got from the team really does make me feel more confident in that rehab plan. Um, you know, he blatantly came out and said, I... I lied. I, I tried to tell him I wasn't hurt. I tried to play through pain. And I mean, he knows where he's at in his career. He knows it's, he's got to change his playing style. So I definitely think that that is going to be a situation that I feel more confident in his foot, certainly in week eight than I did in week one or two, um, for sure. So I, I think he's good to go. Cool. All right. Let's uh, jump into some injury news. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got All right, Betts, we got quite a few names, so we'll go through this somewhat quick. Uh, probably the biggest overall, Alvin Kamara. He left the game last week. I believe he returned. Is that correct? He did, yes. But was a bit limited. Latavius Murray got a lot of work. Uh, it appears to be an ankle injury. What's the status for Kamara? Yeah, so there's actually two injuries going on. So he's listed with the ankle sprain from last Thursday. So he got injured in practice, played through it. And on the second carry he got, and I posted this video and the analysis on my Twitter timeline at the fantasy PT, you can see him get tackled left knee dives inward a little bit. Um, and he immediately grabs for his knee. So he's got both ankle and knee injuries going on right now. I think it's a very minor MCL sprain. Uh, he did not practice today on Wednesday. So truly looks like it's going to be trending towards either a game time decision, um, or he'll do a workout in the morning to kind of see where he's at. But um, certainly possible that Kamara misses this week. However, I don't think this is a long-term injury. Good. All right. Sammy Watkins out for Thursday night football. There's your alert. Do not play him. Uh, is this something you expect to linger beyond this week bets or can we, can we expect him back soon? Uh, I mean the, the extra time definitely helps for sure, but he's still in that window where I'm nervous if I'm a Watkins owner, if they try to play him next week. So unclear at this point, but, uh, I think the right move would probably be to hold him out an additional week. All right, uh, time for our weekly, if not yearly, A.J. Green update. He did not practice today uh, after being limited in practice last week, which sounds like a backwards trend, Bet, What are we looking at for A.J. Green? Yeah, I mean, it might be, but honestly, it's one of those things where it may not be necessarily a an aggravation of the injury or a setback. I think it could just be a situation where, you know, the team is probably trending to have him sooner than later. And we know that these Wednesday practices aren't really much anyway. It's a lot of veteran rest. So it's possible that the team is just saying, okay, let's keep him out Wednesday. But yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Let's see what he does this week. And if he keeps showing up as a DNP, then I'm definitely getting a little bit more nervous about Green. Regardless, though, I don't think he plays this week. All right. Hopefully he does get back because that offense could sure use some help, uh, including certain running backs on that team who are screwing Betts and I in Dynasty because that offense is so bad. Joe Mixon, please do something. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, all right. Quick hitting list of guys who are not practicing dealing with a variety of injuries. Tyrell Williams, Marquise Brown, Amari Cooper, Deshaun Jackson, who has missed a couple weeks now. Uh, from most negative to most positive bets, go. Most, Yeah, most negative is Amari Cooper. He's not going to play this Sunday night dealing with a quad injury that he had to leave early from this past week against the Jets. So I think that's looking like a potential multi-week absence. So he is number one on the most likely to sit. Number two, I think, is Deshaun Jackson, who is trending towards being able to play this week per Doug Peterson. But 
It's now or never for Deshaun Jackson, and I talked about it in more detail on the injury recap episode this week about how if this game doesn't go well, I think he's headed for a sports hernia surgery. So Mm. he's number two. Number three is probably Tyrell Williams coming off of a foot sprain. He sat two weeks ago against the Bears. Obviously, the team was on bye last week. So if he doesn't practice this week, it tells us that he's definitely dealing with a more of a severe sprain. And then Marquise Brown, the ankle, everything I've read is that it's minor. I think he plays this week. Awesome. Uh, quickly, Nikhil Harry, rookie wide receiver, first rounder for the Patriots, back to practice after being on IR designated to return. Uh, if Nikhil Harry plays bets, do you have any interest in him? And do you lose any interest in other players on that team? No, I don't think so, especially right now, because we know it'll take him a couple of weeks to, A, get back into game shape, mm. B, still try to learn this complex Patriots offense. And I don't think the injury to Josh Gordon is going to be anything long-term for that offense. So I think he's still fourth at best in terms of the pecking order there and targets. So yeah, not too much interest in Nikhil Harry in redraft. Cool. All right. Christian Kirk, uh, Cliff Kingsbury came out and said basically he needs to be 100% uh, to be able to play, which makes it sound like he's not right now. Are we not expecting Kirk again? Yeah, it's kind of funny that this is being said right now after him getting in a lot of limited practices over the last two weeks and then basically being a game-time decision last week. So I think the practice reports this week are really going to tell us the story. If he doesn't get in a full practice, I think we have to trust what Kingsbury, Kingsbury is saying here and basically you know, um, kind of understand if he doesn't get in a full practice, he probably won't play. All right. We got a quarterback injury here, Mitchell Trubisky, dealing with that shoulder still. Uh, the Bears are cautiously optimistic, but kind of splitting practice time between him and Chase Daniel as far as who's going to be the starter. What's your outlook on Trubisky? It's correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but not his throwing shoulder. So if he plays, he should be 100%. Yep, that's right. It's his left shoulder uh, dealing with a torn labrum in the shoulder. I think he's going to be fine. I think he plays. I suspect he'll probably play with a brace on the shoulder, similar to what Anthony Miller wore last year to try to prevent any recurring dislocations. But um, he should be fine. He'll play. I think we'll see a very conservative Mitch Trubisky. They're going to want to avoid any contact with him as... There is a pretty high re-injury risk if he takes excessive hits to the shoulder. So I don't think we'll see him scramble and run uh, like he's done in the past. All right. few more guys. Quick hitters here. Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley for the Giants practicing in full after having literally no offensive players against the Patriots. Are you excited to have these guys back? Do you expect them full go? I am very excited to have both of these guys back. Uh, for sure, I think Evan Ingram will be full go. He's dealing with a minor MCL sprain. And he gets the Cardinals this week. So fire him up if you've got him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guaranteed touchdown coming here. Yep. Saquon Barkley, uh, obviously coming off the high ankle sprain from four weeks ago. That matches what I was projecting as far as a recovery timeline. I said upwards of six, but probably at least four. So I, I think he's on track. I think he's fine. And obviously, if you've got him, you start him. All right. And then last guy here, and we may or may not hit on this guy later in the show, but Devin Singletary is practicing in full after missing the last four weeks, I believe, uh, for the Bills. So are we looking, Are is, is the arrow trending up here? Are we going to expect to be able to roll him back out for fantasy bets? Yeah, I definitely think you can. And I feel really confident about his, uh, his health moving forward here this season, specifically with the hamstring strain, because it's been a month and because the team has been smart with him. I wish other teams would just do this more often. Smart move by the Bills, uh, you know, training staff going into the bye. They give him an extra week of rest and hold him out. And they said he probably could have played two weeks ago, 
but they wanted to give him extra time. So good on them. I think he's good to go moving forward. All right. Potentially start him. We'll find out. Guys to not start this week. Anyone on the Buccaneers, Panthers, Browns, or Steelers because they are all on bye. So you will get zero points. Guaranteed. Uh, more than Jared Goff had for a long time, though, in that last game. Oh, my oh, goodness gracious. Oh, that was so bad. All right. Let's move on to the starts of the week. These guys you are going to put in your lineup. Bets, beginning with the quarterback position. Oh, we just mentioned this guy. Who are you going with? Yeah, I'm rolling with a guy who completed just 13 passes last week. Oh, boy. 78 measly yards. <laughs> zero touchdowns. Ouch. And took four sacks in the backfield the most this season for this quarterback. It is the aforementioned Jared Goff. And look, yes, it was horrific last week. Yes, I played some Jared Goff, so I felt your pain as well. But this week, it is a get-right game for the entire offense, which I'm also going to hit on here uh, in a little bit. But it's just a situation where the matchup is too good not to put Goff back in your lineup. And that you know D-line for San Francisco is, is so elite. You could see it all game. They just absolutely owned the Rams' offensive line, who's dealing with some injury. But that will not be a concern this week against the Falcons, who cannot get after the quarterback to save their life. Dead last in the league in sacks per game. They average less than one sack per game. So uh, Goff should be fine. And the advanced analytics with him show he's been doing uh, so much better. And this is pretty obvious, I think, when he's not under pressure. When he has time to truly sit back and survey the defense, he delivers the ball to his receivers like Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, etc. So I think this is a get-right game for him. And the matchup, like I said, is fantastic. Atlanta giving up the second most points to opposing QBs, 27th in the league defending the pass. So fire up your Jared Goff if you still have him on your roster after last week's yucky, yucky, yucky performance. Yeah, the Falcons are basically made for shootouts at this point because they are awful on defense and Matt Ryan is throwing like a maniac. So I definitely see the value in that call. Bets, I'm going to go ahead and technically one-up that because you said the Falcons were allowing the second most points to quarterbacks, and that is very true because the team allowing the most points to quarterbacks is the Miami College Dolphins, I believe, <laughs> possibly even high school. It's really hard to tell this team is so bad. So JV I'm, or varsity? Yes. Uh, uh, JV. Oh. Yeah, they're not even close, Thanks. man. It is embarrassing. Uh, so I'm rolling out Josh Allen this week because he is facing the Dolphins and will probably be rolling out whoever faces the Dolphins from now until the end of time. But I'm especially excited about getting Josh Allen out there because he's had a couple straight tough matchups in a row, Patriots and Titans, the last uh, two games for him. So his fantasy outlook, if you're if you own him, you might not be feeling great. You get to feel great now. He is going to score at least twice through the air and probably once on the ground. He already has three rushing touchdowns this year. I expect he could get another one. They're going to be in the red zone a lot. So uh, roll out all your Josh Allen. I don't think there's any way he doesn't have a QB1 finish this week against this defense. Yeah, Josh Allen is going to be a top five quarterback this week. Virtually mm. guaranteed. And the best thing about Josh Allen is that this is not just the start of the week this week. His matchups over the next month are incredible so we'll just highlight them real quick it's miami then philly then washington then cleveland then miami again um this is a guy who i reached for on waivers two weeks ago because of this schedule so if you've got him i definitely agree with this you've got to ride him for the next month he could definitely be a player that pushes you into the playoffs big facts all right bets 
hit us with your running back, a guy who has come back recently on a team that is surprising pretty much everybody. Yeah, we're talking about Tevin Coleman uh, going up against the LA Rams this week. You talked about it, man. He's come back from that high ankle sprain and looked fantastic. I mean, just to the eye test, right? Like, you can see the explosiveness that he has when he's back there on the field. And obviously, you know, coming back uh, two weeks ago, it was pretty unrealistic to expect him to just take over the backfield from Matt Breida. This has been a committee backfield uh, for the season so far with Coleman out, and that didn't change. But what's encouraging for me and what makes him a start of the week for me is the increase in his snap counts over the first two games back, going from 34% to 55% last week, uh, getting almost 20 touches in that game. Matt Breida played on just 36% of the snaps, Mostert on just 9%. So the nice thing about this is it's now a two-man backfield, and before it was kind of a three-man backfield. So it's Breda, it's Tevin Coleman, and they've got a great matchup this week going up against the Rams. Um, I like this situation for Tevin Coleman, who is part of a backfield where Kyle Shanahan you know, just knows how to use his running backs, and the Niners lead the league in running back touches and opportunities. So that's targets and, uh, and carries as a team. So Fantastic usage. I love Tevin Coleman in this matchup. And the best part of this analysis, Okada, you know what it is? What is it? The Kyle Shanahan revenge game against against the uh, Redskins. It's going to be fantastic. David Lombardi of The Athletic put out this tweet earlier, so I have to pull it up real quick. He said, asking Kyle Shanahan, "What, what was the best part of being able to work in Washington? Shanahan said, being able to work with my dad and some of the coaches. Then asked, what was the worst part? Kyle Shanahan, everything else. <laughs> so this is the definition of a revenge game. I think Kyle Shanahan brings the juice in this one and really pulls out all the stops. This is going to be a fun game to watch for the Niners offense. All righty. Uh, I'm going to swing over bets to a guy mentioned earlier in the show, in the injury section. That would be Devin Singletary. He is, as you said, practicing and looks like good to go and... Guess what team he's facing? I bet you can guess because he plays for the Bills, and I've already named one player playing for the Bills in the start of the week segment. It would be the Dolphins. Surprise! Yeah, we're picking on this team pretty much this entire show. Uh, give me Devin Singletary. He is has only played two games because he missed every game since the first two weeks. But in those two games, he had double-digit fantasy points in both. Scored a touchdown in the second, had 98 scrimmage yards in the first. So I believe he will come back and have enough of a uh, touch share with Frank Gore that he has plenty of opportunity to score, plenty of opportunity for big plays, especially against this bad defense. This is a guy who can break off a single long run and score a touchdown and make your fantasy week with just that. But I think he'll get double-digit touches and be very efficient with them against this team. So uh, I am willing to roll out Singletary immediately back from this injury. Uh the Dolphins are allowing the second most fantasy points to, to running backs. You're going to hear that they're allowing X points to X position pretty much the entire show because whatever it is, they're in the bottom. So give me Singletary. Now, Akata, I got to let our listeners know here on uh, on the dock a little behind the scenes look. You had Frank Gore listed, and I was expecting you to say Frank Gore. Mm-hmm. Is that because you thought Singletary may not have been healthy? Um. It was a little bit of that, but mostly, actually, it was something that I changed a few minutes prior 
to the show where I kind of just look back to Singletary's first two games. I was going to go with Gore because I think both could be viable in this game, honestly. That's how bad this defense is and how much I think this Bills uh, team is going to run all over them. But I decided I wanted to go with more of the upside play. So I think it's possible both could have startable flex value in a deepish league. But as far as the guy who's going to hit the RB2 territory, I'm going with Singletary. And I actually moved him above Gore in my ranks shortly before the show. So change of heart in the right direction for Singletary. I love it. My uh, my wide receiver that I was going to say, and then I realized our show doc is just full of <laughs> Bills versus Miami. So I said, I should probably switch this up. Uh, I would like to name John Brown an honorary start of the week <laughs> for the reasons you already mentioned. Yep. With Josh Allen, but I will pivot to a combination of my quarterback and receiver. Robert Woods is my official start of the week on the road at Atlanta. I talked about it with Jared Goff. This is a get right game for the entire offense with a defense that is allowing the third most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. And the thing that is just so much of an anomaly for Robert Woods is that he has zero receiving touchdowns through six weeks despite being 12th in targets at the wide receiver position. Just an absolute, um, you know, screaming positive regression candidate here for Robert Woods. I don't know how he doesn't find the end zone in this type of matchup against Atlanta. So I love him this week. I'm definitely starting him with confidence, even after he pretty much put up a goose egg last year, or last week, excuse me, in the receiving category. He did find the end zone on the ground, so it saved you. But uh, no receptions on four targets last week. Robert Woods will bounce back against the Falcons. All right, Betts. Uh, we did not touch on this guy in the injury segment, so I have to ask before I throw him out there, how you feel about Marquez Valdez-Scantling going into this week? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely encouraging that he came back into the game. This is a very similar type of injury to that of Josh Gordon from last Thursday, uh, where he kind of got his knee stuck underneath of him, and, and we saw it hyperflex or bend all the way. Um, so no doubt. You know, MVS was probably waking up on Tuesday morning with some pretty good soreness. But the fact that he returned tells us there's no structural injury. He's probably going to be limited throughout the week in practice, but I think he plays, and honestly, I think he's fine. Yeah, okay, so that was my feeling, and I think it's less likely that Geronimo Allison plays, uh, considering what he took in that game, hit-wise. Yeah, Ouch. the concussion. Yeah. Um, so I'm rolling out MVS versus the Oakland Raiders for my start of the week at the wide receiver position. Uh, they are facing Oakland in Green Bay. Uh, the Raiders are allowing the eighth most fantasy points to wide receivers, so that is a solid matchup. Um, but it's mainly Devontae Adams and Geronimo Allison both look like they may be not not playing in this game. And if that's the case, that makes Marquez Valdez-Scantlin undeniably the number one target. Yes, uh, Alan Lazard had a good game last <laughs> week. Uh, and it's possible that uh, Jimmy Graham does something in the red zone. But for the majority of the work that Aaron Rodgers is going to do against this Raiders team, I think it's probably going to be Marquez. So I am taking MVS. Uh, I expect probably in 7 to 10 target range kind of game where he gets decently peppered. Uh, considering how little they have now at the wide receiver position healthy. Hopefully he is healthy. Otherwise, this will be a very poor start of the week. But if he is, roll him out there. I think he's high in wide receiver three territory, maybe wide receiver two. Yeah, I kind of low-key like Alan Lazard this week. Ooh! Um, and it's and, mostly well, well, hold reasons. up. Is this like a DFS type thing, or like you're going to throw him in as a wide receiver two? 
No, wide receiver three flex in a 12-team okay. league or deeper. But, I mean, I don't know if you heard the comments from Aaron Rodgers after the game, but he basically came out and said, I asked the coaching staff for Lazard to go in and get more opportunity. And the dude looked good, and he capitalized. I mean, four receptions, 65 yards, and a touchdown on five targets. Um, you talked about it. There's no one really in front of him that's healthy. I, you know, Devontae Adams is not going to play. Nope. I highly doubt uh, Geronimo Allison clears concussion protocol just six days after that hit. Yep. Um, so it could be MVS and it could be Lazard as the two starters there. So I agree with both those calls um, for sure. And if for some reason MVS doesn't play, then oh. by, by default, he's the one. So uh, I think you can start Alan Lazard this week. There you go. If MVS doesn't play, Lazard is technically my uh, fallback start of the week. Love Alan it. Lazard, who would have thought he would ever make it into the show? <laughs> Uh, all right, let's swing over to the tight ends, bets. Who you got? All right, we have to preface this. Mm. The tight end landscape is an absolute joke. Uh, we just lost Will Disley, who was looking like a top five fantasy option to that torn Achilles. So I was looking through the names, dude, and I don't know how you felt about this, but it is just so hard to pick a player to name as the start of the week that's not named Darren Waller, Evan Ingram, <laughs> Zach Ertz, you know, like the big names, Travis Kelsey. But I got one that I'm going to roll out, and it's TJ Hawkinson this week going up against Minnesota. He didn't have a great game this past Monday night. We saw him have a couple of drops, um, especially on key passes there against the Packers. But what's encouraging is that he is seeing about five targets per game. And at the tight end position, you honestly can't ask for much more looking for a streamer. Like I said, he gets the Vikings. They're giving up the 16th most fantasy points to tight end. So it's not a great matchup. It's not terrible either. And really, that is a bit skewed, and I'll tell you why here. So they basically give up receptions to athletic tight ends. Mm. Austin Hooper, 9 for 77. Darren Waller, 13 for 134. Zach Ertz, 4 for 54. But he had 9 targets and definitely dropped a couple. So athletic tight ends are getting it done against this defense. I'll tell you who's not getting it done against this defense. Jimmy Graham, who is obviously, <laughs> at this point in his career, uh, not the most athletic uh, person in the league. He had one target and zero catches against this team, and Trey Burton just went two for 16 a couple of weeks ago. So when the player that plays against this team at the tight end position is athletic and is used as a pass-catching tight end, they succeed. For that reason, I'm rolling out TJ Hawkinson this week against the Vikings. All right, Bets. Well, you said that the tight end, tight end landscape was yucky and it was hard to pick a start of the week. And you asked me something to the effect of, I don't know how I found it. And then you launched into your TJ Hawkinson uh, explanation. The guy I picked will tell you everything you need to know <laughs> about the answer to that question. Because I am going with Darren Fells. As yes, my start of the let's week. Go. <laughs> For those of you who don't know who Darren Fells is, because that's how obscure of a name he is, he is the Houston Texans tight end, uh, who has had a for a tight end decently okay fantasy year over especially over the last four weeks. Uh he has had two games with six plus targets, caught five plus in both of those, and had forty plus yards in both of those, and he scored three touchdowns in the last four weeks. So Deshaun Watson is balling, and as far as Deshaun Watson balls, his pass catchers are going to ball, and Fells happens to be one of his pass catchers, so that's pretty much the majority of the argument. Also, the Colts are allowing the third most uh, fantasy points to tight ends. 
this early in the season, and especially with tight ends, these kinds of things are very skewed, and you kind of gave a good explanation of it uh, for the Vikings. But um, the Colts uh, are allowed, they've allowed three touchdowns to tight ends in the last three games, and four of the tight ends they've faced have had 50 plus yards. So it, they are allowing decent production uh, to the tight end position. I think that when you're looking for a guy, that if you're listening to a tight end start of the week bets, you don't have one of the top six, and you're looking for a shot in the dark who might get you five catches for 50 yards, and you have a prayer for a touchdown. And I think that's probably exactly what Darren Fells is uh, for this game. So uh, I hope you all enjoy the introduction to Darren Fells, tight end of the Houston Texans. Good luck <laughs> if you start him. It is definitely a deep one, but uh, but he's my start of the week, Bets. I'm feeling it. 33 years old. Welcome to Fantasy Relevance. <laughs> <laughs> What's shocking, dude, is... Okay, so in a dynasty league run by John Bosch, I have Evan Ingram and I have Trey Burton. And last week, Burton was on by and Evan Ingram missed the game with the MCL injury. I picked up Darren Fells and had to play him, and it worked. Let's I won go. the week with Darren Fells, so you could definitely do worse than him this week. And Okada, before we move on to the de- defense start of the week, we've got some breaking news, so hit the drop. Ooh. Tom Pelissero of the NFL Network. Perhaps, Okada, you've heard of it. The Raiders are signing breakout tight end Darren Waller to a contract extension through 2020. Three. Wow. Good for him, man. The yeah. deal is supposed to be around nine million dollars. Um it's dude, it's so exciting to see guys like this come back and really solidify themselves in the NFL after being almost out of the league uh just two years ago. So good for Darren Waller there at the Raiders lock him up. Nice. Good stuff. Uh wish that he could be the start of the week, but he can't because he's too good at this point. All right, let's close out the starts of the week, bets. DSTs, who are you running out? Yeah, give me the Saints defense taking on the Bears. Um, this is a situation where I feel like no one is talking about how good the Saints defense has been over the past few weeks. They definitely started off a little shaky. Uh, Marshawn Lattimore was getting absolutely crushed in the first three weeks. And spoiler alert, we're going to talk about that later. Mm. But in recent times, he has absolutely locked down opposing teams wide receiver one. This rush defense has been absolutely uh, rock solid up front. And they're also getting after the quarterback. So I like this defense. I think they provide a nice uh, a nice bit of safety this week. Vegas has this over-under set at 38. So it's not a situation where you should be worried about the opposing offense running up the score. We still aren't really 100% sure if it's Chase Daniel or, or Mitch Trubisky. I think it's Trubisky. But I see a situation here where I talked about it. If Trubisky plays and he's not mobile... He is not a pocket quarterback, and and he doesn't succeed that way. We've seen him be skittish in the pocket. We've seen him have accuracy issues. So I think there could be a turnover or two in this game from Trubisky. And if he's scared to take a hit, you could see him get the ball out a little bit quicker than he wants to. Overall, it's a situation where I think the Saints are going to succeed taking on the Bears. Yeah, I like this, Betts. These Saints are not the Saints that we remember from the last pretty much 10, 15 years under Drew Brees where things got aired out everywhere and there was no defense. They have won two games in the last three weeks with 13 points or fewer. 12 to 10 versus the Cowboys, 13 to 6 versus the Jaguars. I 100% believe that this could be one of those type of games and 38 might be way too high of a line. Uh, This could easily be a single digit versus double digit win for the Saints again. And uh, that means good thing for DST. So I like it. 
Uh, big shocker here, Bets. We're coming in with some some hot takes. I'm taking the Bills defense against the Dolphins. I was honestly hoping you were going to stick with John Brown so we could just have Bills all the way down the board, but I can respect the diversity. However, I refuse <laughs> to change my mind, and I'm rolling out the Bills defense against Miami. I feel like it's a very uh, allowable pick because the Bills have been pre like pretty much right around the average uh, as far as fantasy defenses go, pretty much the middle of the league, but... Uh, the team playing the Miami Dolphins has been quite the opposite of that because they're, it is impossible to roll out a fantasy defense against the Bills and not come away with maybe 15 fantasy points. They are getting shredded. So uh, everywhere that the Miami Dolphins could potentially have a chance, the Bills are going to shut down. Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to throw some picks. Even if he does do good things for Devontae Parker and company, he is also going to throw some picks. It's what he does. So I would be shocked if the Bills don't come away with at least a couple takeaways, a few sacks, and very few points allowed. Give me the Bills pretty much a lock. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have much else to add <laughs> to the situation. Uh, great analysis, Okada. Love the pick. <laughs> I am playing them in a couple of places, and I am very excited to do so. Yep. All right, Bets. before we jump over to the sits... We have a live read from our new sponsor. Yes, our new sponsor is awesome. It is FantasyGo.com. If you have not heard of it, basically this is the Uber of fantasy football, meaning, you know, everyone's busy. People travel. Okada's in New England. True, true. Touring Boston. Uh, you know, people are, people are busy. And maybe you're struggling in your fantasy league and you're busy, which is a double whammy. Uh, and so it's tough for you to really make those those good lineup decisions, really make the best starts of the week, um, despite our, our analysis here. But the nice thing about this is you can hire Okada or myself, search Matt O or Matthew B in the marketplace, and you can find us. You can hire us to set your lineup for you. Uh, it's a, a couple of bucks. Basically, we do everything for you, and everything right now is behind a feature where your league mates don't even know that it's us doing it for you, so it looks like you're a genius when you win your week. And this is only for Yahoo Leagues right now, so it is coming in the future for different platforms. Right now, this is for Yahoo only. And the best part of this is, in a couple of weeks, they've got a DFS format coming, so be on the lookout for that. The other thing is, they entered a concierge mode, which sounds very fancy. Uh -huh. And basically, you get to chat with us back and forth all week. And that, honestly, I think for the clients I've worked with, has been the most valuable because they get to see what I'm thinking versus having me just do everything for you. So uh, I was working with a gentleman last week. We negotiated a trade with his league, uh, and he was really, really excited about it. So you can negotiate with us back and forth. And Okada, I'm sure your mentions get blown up a lot, and you get some DMs. I know I do too. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to respond to everyone. But with Fantasy Go, you hire us. So legally, we have to help you. So you get priority for everything that we are doing in terms of fantasy advice. Go check them out. Search for Matthew B. or Matt O. at FantasyGo.com. Cool stuff. All right, let's jump into the sits of the week, Bets. The guys that you probably want to start, but we're telling you, consider setting them. And both of our quarterbacks, Bets, are guys that have been frequently started this year. So I'll let you kick it off. Yeah, for me, I'm keeping Phillip Rivers on my bench this week, going on the road to take on Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee's defense is, is decent. They're pretty good against the pass, but... For me, it's just the way this offense has looked ever since the return of Melvin Gordon. Um, they have been stuck in the mud and they cannot get going. They're playing with a ton of offensive line injuries. Right now, they've got their third string center 
and their second string left guard. And, and you can definitely tell, I mean, if you watch Sunday Night Football, the Steelers were all over this offensive line. And I fear a situation where if Phillip Rivers doesn't have time to make throws, he's going to be chucking it up in the air and hoping that Mike Williams comes down with it or Keenan Allen comes down with it. Um, so I just don't feel confident in the situation. And I saw a report earlier today, basically with the team coming out saying, Melvin Gordon needs more work. So I think they're just being stubborn. I think they're trying to prove a point that Gordon should be the workhorse and get more touches. But that apparently has not been a good strategy, uh, given their recent slide. And per Evan Silva on Twitter, since ending his holdout, 15 of Melvin Gordon's 20 carries have gained 3 yards or less. 8 of his 11 targets have gained 3 yards or less. Oh my! So all in all, the plays that Melvin Gordon... Uh, is intended to be the primary uh, weapon, go for an average of 2.7 yards. So, stop it. Pretty sure Chargers. that's not good. Go back to Austin Eckler and what was working in the first few weeks. Until it gets sorted out, I'm staying off of Rivers. Rough stuff. Uh, all right, Bets. I'm going to take a guy. I probably don't think you're going to appreciate this very much. And he's probably even a little bit more high profile. Has honestly been pretty decent this year. Has been kind of hovering around that QB1, QB2 range at the uh, that kind of transition point. And it's Carson Wentz of the Philadelphia Eagles. Betts is shaking his head vigorously at me. Headphones are coming out. I will not listen to this garbage. <laughs> uh, there's a, a few things here. All right. Number one, he's facing the Cowboys. They have a, very, a solid defense, allowing the seventh fewest points to quarterbacks. Not great. That Now... To be fair, they have not played great quarterbacks overall, but they did play Aaron Rodgers and smothered him completely. So that gives me a little bit of fear. Also, the pieces around Carson Wentz are falling apart very rapidly. The defense is falling apart, which is not good for the team overall. Uh, but more importantly, he is missing wide receivers and Jason Peters, his left tackle, is week to week right now. Uh, which means that rookie Andre Dillard will be sliding in there. Peters has been one of the best left tackles in the league for a long time. Certainly, he's on the tail end of his career, so it's not as large of a drop-off as it might have been five years ago. But I think it's still probably a drop-off. I'd rather have a veteran guy over there protecting his blind side. So I think Wentz gets banged around a little bit in this game. I think his lack of Deshaun Jackson to stretch the field doesn't help much. And I'm just concerned that this is... A little bit less of offensive of a game than we would like. A little bit more of a grindy game. And that Wentz ends up with less than 15 fantasy points, which is certainly where you'd want to be if you're throwing him in your starting lineup. So he's still near the top of QB2 range. But if you're just playing in a QB1 league, I'm benching Wentz this week. Sorry, Betts. Yeah, well, that was unfortunate to hear. Uh, <laughs> but honestly, I, I really can't argue with you there. I do think that Deshaun Jackson could play in this game. So I like Carson Wentz if if Jackson's out there, but I agree with you. I think this is going to be a grinded out game. I mean, we've seen a, a pretty big switch in the offensive philosophy for Dallas in the past couple of weeks with Zeke getting a ton more work. Um, the offense hasn't looked quite as you know explosive and dynamic as the play calling was in the first few weeks. And, and part of that, honestly, was their cake schedule to start the season. Um, so I fear it's going to be one of those grinded out, give it to Zeke 25 to 30 times and really kind of just you know, milk it, especially without Amari Cooper this week. So I, I would love Wentz more if Amari was playing because I think it turns into more of a shootout. So mm, I yep. agree with you. I think Wentz is on the back end of QB1, 
top of QB2 radar. So if you've got a better option, certainly don't hate this. All righty, Betts. Let's swing over to the running back position. I am quite confident this is not the first time this player has appeared in your sits of the week. Who are you going with? No, and I think that speaks to the fact that you can't trust this guy yet. It's David Montgomery, who has been a start and a sit, for, I think, for both of us at some point this yeah. season. So pretty polarizing player. But yeah, I'm not playing him this week. He's taken on the Saints, my start of the week at the defense position. And here's why. Um, we talked about the over-under. I don't think there's a lot of points scored in this game. The Saints' run D, when Breeze has been out, has been lights out. I mean, they really have rallied around their defense to help them win games with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. Obviously, Breeze is out again this week. Um, you know, in week one, the, the team was not the same. Carlos Hyde, Carlos freaking Hyde, <laughs> went for 83 yards on 10 carries in week one. Todd Gurley, 16 for 63 and a touchdown in week two. Weeks three through six, things changed. Here's what changed. They got a huge run stopper back on their line. Chris Carson, 15 for 52. Zeke, 18 for 35. Ronald Jones, 9 for 35. And last week, Leonard Fournette, 20 for 72. You cannot run on this defense, and we still can't trust David Montgomery's usage. There's no way I'm playing on this week. Yeah, it's. I really wish that Montgomery could get some better matchups and some better usage, and we could see him be valuable for fantasy. But he has had uh, a couple straight weeks of basically mediocre performances. Honestly, he really hasn't had a breakout game yet, uh, I wouldn't say. So still looking for that before I'm willing to start him. And against a bad fantasy matchup like this, certainly makes it easier to, to bench him, unfortunately. Uh, my guy bets, you just mentioned, he torched the Saints in week one. That would be Carlos Hyde. Uh, of the Houston Texans going up against the Indianapolis Colts, who are allowing the eighth fewest fantasy points to running back. So they're up there as far as fantasy defenses. Uh, part of that has been they've been pretty much, for the most part, uh, winning. Uh, even with Jacoby Brissett, they've been doing a good job of staying ahead. Now, the Texans obviously are going to be a good matchup in that regard, and I expect the Texans will win. However, the Colts are not allowing rushing touchdowns. I talked a little bit earlier about how they're allowing receiving touchdowns at tight ends, and that's pretty much what's been going on in the red zone for the most part. They haven't allowed a rushing touchdown since week three. I feel like Carlos Hyde needs to get into the end zone on a goal line score to really make him valuable, and I just don't... I'm not willing to trust him at this point. He has had some good games, um, but he's also had some disappearing act games, and I think this is likely to be one of the more disappearing acts. Uh, he's gotten the bulk of the carries recently, um, and had certainly last week was great, but that was against the Chiefs. So there's, there's the Dolphins, and then there's pretty much the Chiefs when it comes to starting yep. your running backs. I don't know what's going on with that Chiefs D, but uh, 116 yards and a touchdown sounds amazing for Carlos Hyde, but when it comes against the Chiefs, it has to come with a huge grain of salt. So other than that, he hasn't had a huge, great game for a while. So I'm going to go ahead and sit Carlos Hyde if I can. He's probably mid-range RB3 for me. In fact, I could pull it up. Uh, so he could still be a flex for you if you need him. But ideally, I'd rather sit Hyde if possible. Yeah, I mean, you talked about it. The usage has been there, but you need to pick your spots when you're playing Carlos Hyde. And I think anyone expecting something similar to what we saw uh, last week against the Chiefs, who are without Chris Jones, one of their best run stoppers in, on the line there, um, you know, it really does inflate the numbers. So I agree with you. I am definitely off of Carlos Hyde this week. Alrighty, Betts, let's close it out. We have got the wide receiver position, sits of the week. Uh, you can kick us off 
with a, another bear. Yeah, I'm, I'm really not feeling the Bears this week, and I'm definitely Ooh. feeling the Saints defense. I think this all speaks to that. My sit of the week at the wide receiver position is Allen Robinson, who, I'll give it to him, has looked great in his second season coming back from his torn ACL, but I think he's in for a rough matchup this week. I teased it a little bit at the, the start of the show, kind of talking about how good Marshawn Lattimore has been over the past few weeks. The splits between weeks one to three and weeks four to six are just astounding. Weeks one to three, he was giving up a completion percentage on his targets that, you know, quarterbacks targeting him or the, re- the receiver going against him greater than 74%, mm. uh, which is massive. And in those games, the opposing quarterbacks were pretty good. Deshaun Watson, Jared Goff, Russell Wilson. So when there's a great quarterback on the other side of the ball, they can succeed. But in weeks four to six, when he went up against uh, Jameis Winston, Gardner Minshew and Daniel Jones, it did not work out. And they opposing quarterbacks are only completing 46.8% of their passes. So uh, yeah, for me, this is a situation where if you're choosing one of those two categories as to what level of quarterback Mitch Trubisky falls into, it is not the first group, that is for sure. So I think that he struggles in this matchup, and I think, therefore, Allen Robinson struggles in this matchup. Alrighty. I do not hate it. Uh, certainly, we did talk about the the situation in this game and what we expect overall from an, an over-under perspective on the game. So uh, ideally, I'd stay away from as many of these offensive pieces as possible, except Alvin Kamara if he plays. And Michael Thomas, I suppose. Uh, all right, bets. I'll close it out. I have got a guy who I think fantasy owners who own him are excited about because he just got his quarterback back. And in his first game with his quarterback, who is named Sam Darnold, returned from mono, he went out and posted uh, 125 yards and a touchdown, which is a very good fantasy stat line, bets if you're not familiar with that. Uh, I hear that's pretty good. Yes, this is Robbie Anderson, and... Uh, we're going to talk about Robbie Anderson a little bit more on the Patreon podcast, believe it or not. Uh, big, big spoilers. But the, the positive conversation we're going to have on that episode it does not spill over into this week. Because this week he is facing the New England Patriots and Stephon Gilmore. And it is not good. You do not want to start your players against the New England Patriots defense. It is quite possibly the best defense of the decade, if not one of the best defenses in our lifetimes. They are playing out of their minds good. Stephon Gilmore is possibly the best defensive player in the league right now. Uh, And I think it's tempting in a game like this to say, well, the Jets are going to be losing and they're going to have to air the ball out and Robbie Anderson might make a big catch and that'll be good. And that kind of is true, except when you're playing this defense, it really doesn't matter. They are shutting down everyone, and they're beating everyone, and it really doesn't matter. So I'm going to sit him for this week. After that, you'll have to listen into our Patreon pod to find out what we think. But Spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, For now, he belongs on your bench. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're hoping that it's one catch that they just connect down the field. And if it doesn't happen, it could be like a four-point game for you. So, yeah, I agree. I definitely don't feel confident about starting Robbie Anderson this week. But uh, we definitely both like him a little bit more moving forward. Okada, real quick before we move on, I want to correct myself because I just misspoke when I talked about uh, Marshawn Lattimore. 
It was not Daniel Jones. It was Dak Prescott who faced oh. him in week four. And I looked down and I, on my sheet, I wrote Dan. I think it autocorrected. <laughs> that is Dak. <laughs> so not Danny Dimes. He played against Dak Prescott. Uh, just want to put that out there to make sure everyone has accurate information. Who has also not been good of late. So no, I don't know what happened know. after that MVP like start for him. Sad. All right, bets. Let's swing over and close out the episode with a mailbag. Now let's talk about the mail. Can we talk about the mail, please, Mac? I'm dying to talk about the mail for you all day. Okay. All right. We have a few questions here, so let's kick it off with at fantasy three zero seven eight four four nine five. I hope that's not his phone number. No, it's not because that would not be a phone number. It does not have the right number of digits. <laughs> Uh, but he asks a quite a simple question, Bets. Corlin Sutton or John Brown? Straight up, who are you going to start? Man, Sutton has just been so good this year, but I think I'm still leaning John Brown. And I don't know if that's the right call, but I, I feel like I just can't get myself to trust Cortland Sutton. And I know that's incorrect because he's looked great. But part of me just still has this disgusting taste in my mouth, the fact that it's Joe Flacco throwing the ball. So maybe I'm not the best person to answer this question, but I love John Brown in this matchup. Without Zay Jones there, he is the de facto 100%, no questions asked, leader in air yards by a mile. Um, I don't see how he doesn't have a great game this week against the Dolphins, who we talked about a lot. So I would lean John Brown. Okada, what say you? Well, Betts, I was struggling deeply uh, with this very difficult question in my mind, so I decided to pull up my ranks, and I have Sutton and John Brown back-to-back. So that really doesn't make it much easier. (laughs) Uh, But... According to my rankings, who which I will have to trust, I have Sutton one spot ahead of John Brown. And listen, he has been oddly, surprisingly consistent. He could have maybe even been thrown in with the DJ Chark, uh, Terry McLaurin conversation that we had at the beginning of the episode and just how surprised I am with how consistently good he's been. And over the last three weeks, uh, 60 plus yards in each week, three touchdowns. And that came against Jacksonville, uh, the Chargers who have great corners and the Tennessee Titans who also have great corners. So those are three really good defenses. The Kansas city chiefs, uh, they're not that, and there is going to be some passing to happen in this game. So I believe that I do agree with myself here and I'm going to go with Cortland Sutton over John Brown by the smallest of hairs. You agree with yourself. <laughs> yes. Uh, whoever came up yeah, with for, my rankings, which was me, uh, knew what he was talking about. Yeah, for reference, our consensus wide receivers 19 and 20 on the week. So there you um, go. honestly, the best, the best answer for this listener might be to try to get both in your lineup and maybe mm. look elsewhere for what player to put on your bench. Big facts. All right. Ooh, this is a great question, Bets. In fact, I've seen questions like this rolling around several places, so I'm glad that it's been asked. This is from at A Rice1921. Devontae Adams. Coming into the season, Bets ranked number one by many fantasy analysts, including, I believe, a certain Matthew Betts. This is accurate. Or Cooper Cup. Which wide receiver would you rather have, not this week, but rest of season? This is a question that is being asked. And I will tell you this, Betts. I'm just going to jump right in, okay? Because I'm so excited. I know your answer. I know. You would not believe the joy that I feel in my heart that questions like this are even being asked. At my work, All our I don't know if I've told this story, but all of our researchers have a little post-it posted up on the board of our top 10 favorite players in the NFL. Have I told this story? I don't think so. Okay. So we have all listed our top 10 favorite players. Most of mine are Patriots. Justin Tucker is on it. And Cooper Cup is on it. 
He's one of my favorite players in the league, and we are finally seeing why. I expected a big, big year from him. I had him ranked as a top 12 wide receiver, which was way above consensus. This is even blowing away my expectations. Uh, if this helps at all, this week in particular, when Adams is out, I have Cooper Cup ranked as my number one wide receiver bets. So he is elite. There is no doubting it at this point. And while this may be a little bit more difficult if Adams wasn't dealing with the foot injury, I think that really just helps tip the scales, and I'm going with Cooper Cup. Yeah, man. I mean, you've definitely been way more bullish on him, but I'm not shy at all about feeling the same way or maybe a little bit less of love for <laughs> Cooper Cup, but I still like this guy a ton. I've got him as my number two on the week. He's our consensus one against Atlanta. So, yes, Crazy. I agree this week. He is an absolute smash start. Uh, for rest of season, this is so tough because I think it really does have to do with injury here. And if you're in any sort of situation where you need to win in the next two to three weeks, if you're not 5-1 and one or 6-0, or and oh, this has to be Cooper Cup. I mean, the, the risk with Devontae Adams is starting to grow. And we talked about it being a multi-week injury. He's not going to play this week, so he's going on uh, his third week in a row without playing. It doesn't look like he's coming back anytime soon, and we talked about it too, with this potentially turning into an A.J. Green situation where that big toe is going to get stressed a lot this season. It has me nervous, so yeah, I'm leaning Cooper Cup. All righty. Crazy stuff here on the Redshirts Fantasy Football Podcast, and what's really crazy is that it's not crazy. Uh, all right, last question coming in from at I... MLSI. I don't know if that means Major League Soccer, uh, but that would be the wrong football. Sorry, MLSI. Uh, but here's his question. This is a dynasty trade I made today. I have Josh Allen and currently sit alone in first place at 5-1. and one. Mm, Very solid. Am I dumb for shipping Mahomes to get more depth and better talent? So I will read the trade and then his roster. He traded away Patrick Mahomes, Marlon Mack, and David Montgomery to get Tyler Lockett, Joe Mixon, and Sony Michelle. Remember that he has Josh Allen, and then he also has Zeke Fournette, Cup Galladay, OBJ Ridley, Brita, Miles Sanders, and Cole Beasley for the rest of his roster. A lot of information here, Betts, but parse it down for us. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think you're dumb for shipping Mahomes. I definitely don't because I think he still has so much name value. And yes, that Chiefs offense is still going to be very good the rest of the season. But we just talked about it with Josh Allen. I mean, the next month is going to be fantastic. And I really do feel confident about Allen being a top 10 option every week for the next month. So if you're in any situation, again, where you need to win uh, more often than not moving forward here in the next month, that's a great, great idea. Uh, the only thing that I have with this trade here that I have a little bit of an issue with is the fact that I think you could have gotten more for Mahomes, given his perceived value in most fantasy leagues, but maybe your your league is a little bit more uh, astute to the situation. So, yeah, I, I think you could have gotten more more for this trade, but certainly I don't hate the fact that you're trying to shop him to make your team better elsewhere. Yeah, that you took the words right out of my mouth, Betts. There are a lot of good uh, factors going into the idea of this trade, but I do think Mahomes should draw a larger price. Uh, maybe there aren't many Chiefs fans in your league or something. I'm not sure. And I will say this, just for a trade philosophy breakdown, 101, uh, from Matt Okada and Matthew Betts, because I'm sure Betts agrees with this. Uh, if possible, I prefer to have a little bit of a quick conversation with trade partners before I send an offer. Betts, are you the same on this? Yeah, I hate the random emails that just come okay. through. I'm definitely one of the conversation type of traders. Big facts. And one of the main reasons for that is if you just send a trade out without saying anything... You do one of two things. Either you 
put the price too low on purpose so that they will come back with a uh, you know a bounce back offer that's more fair. But if you do that, then you kind of might piss somebody off if they're the type that doesn't like to get lowballed. Or you offer what is definitely a fair or even maybe a little bit above fair trade so that the guy likes it and just accepts it, in which case you maybe lose out. So that's why rather than doing that, I like to have a quick conversation with the person if possible. If you have chat access or whatever, hashtag sleeper, great app for this purpose. Uh, and just be like, hey, man, I'm feeling like selling this thing. Uh, are you interested? What kind of pieces do you have to offer? Talk it out a little bit. See what you guys can do to come up with the best deal for both sides. But not at all horrible trade. Definitely don't think you're dumb. Uh, but Mahomes, man. Yeah. All righty. That closes out the podcast, Bets. Uh, I have thoroughly enjoyed my return after two weeks off. It has been very uh, peppy. It sure has, dude. It's been good to have you back because uh, I was starting to think that we weren't friends anymore there for a minute. <laughs> You just all of a sudden got up and left oh. <laughs> and didn't record with me for two weeks. But Rough stuff. Uh, the band is back together, and we are excited to get you ready for week seven. Yes, we are. And we're so excited that we are now going to go and record a Patreon podcast. So if you are not subscribed to Patreon, get on that right quick and become a patron of the Red Shirts pod, because then you can hear this podcast and a great talk about players to buy for the playoff push bets. Ooh. Ooh. Teasers. All right. We will see you guys next time. Until then, we are the Red Shirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.